Good day, nerds. This is Megan coming at you with another Cantina Conversation. Today's episode features Elizabeth Schick. We're talking about The Golden Land, um, her debut novel, actually, and it's available now. Um, this book was wonderful. You'll hear me gush about it in the interview. Definitely one of my top 10 for 2022. And this conversation, it was, I just loved hearing about her experiences traveling around the world for her work and also just, um, dealing with leaving, li- living that lifestyle and all the fascinating cultures and just her experiences. Either way, I'll, I'll let you listen to it and see what I'm talking about. Here's Elizabeth Schick. So today we've got Elizabeth Schick here. We're talking about the Golden Land. It's available now. Um, Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining us today. I absolutely loved this book. I probably one of my favorites out of the that I've read this year. And um, so I'm gonna geek out a little bit over <laughs> during our conversation. <laughs> and I'm you know, I'm excited to dive a little bit deeper today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I, I really I've been listening to your podcast and I really enjoy it. Oh, thank you. I'm I'm glad. I know I could be like kind of a dork sometimes and ramble on, but that's just like the bookworm in me. So I just like go for it. (laughs) As writers, that's what we are, right? Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. Wonderful. Okay. So to start off with, can you do, can you give like a synopsis of the story so that people who haven't picked up the book or read the review can follow along with the conversation? Sure. So The Golden Land is about an American woman named Etta who is living in Boston. She grew up very much under the control of her domineering uh, Burmese grandmother. And as the novel opens, her grandmother has just died. And Etta is sorting through her grandmother's belongings. Uh, she calls her grandma, grandmother Apwa, which is the Burmese name for grandma. And, you know, as she sorts through her belongings, she's confronted with a flood of memories from her childhood in general, but specifically from a 1988 uh, family reunion that took place in Burma when Edda was 13. So some of these memories are very happy memories for Edda. You know, they there's a, a boy that she was particularly um, taken with. And so those are very happy memories, but there's also some problematic, traumatic memories of things that she witnessed during that year, 1988 was a tumultuous year in Burmese history. There was um, the government was the military government was really cracking down on protesters. And there were still a lot of protests. And um, it got pretty ugly. Sadly, we're, we're back to that right now. In 2022, the military has taken over modern day Myanmar again. And the situation is very similar to to 1988. Although when I was writing this book, it wasn't the case. Mm. Um, anyway, so meanwhile, Edda's little sister, Parker, who's seven years younger, so has a different set of memories from that visit, has decided to take Apua's ashes back to modern day Myanmar against Edda's wishes. So Edda has to decide should she stay in Boston with her comfortable life, her comfortable career as a lawyer with her fiance, Jason, or follow her sister back to Myanmar and confront those memories? Yeah. And it was just such a powerful story. And I think it's, it was, it's an important story. It's important to like bring this to light. And I just loved how, and we'll get into it too, but 
you know, just the, the storytelling and how first the readers are with her with the flashbacks on her mm-hmm. family reunion trip and then present day in America. And then somehow, you know, we're going to be mostly spoiler free, but somehow you switch those where her, right. her flashbacks <laughs> are after that, that moment that those events where she came back after that trip. And then the present day when she's experiencing cer- certain things again. And it's, I just thought that was, it was like so cool. And it just also, it's also a powerful way of storytelling to kind of, you know, switch it, but navigate that and weave around like how important those time periods and geographically where she was at those time periods just kind of helped her like just shake to like her outlook. And mm-hmm. because it definitely like, you know, her hapwa changed after that trip and in turn, so did she because she yeah Absolutely. she was just under this like these strict lessons and and cultural like you know meetings like just education and that her grandmother had took it upon herself to make sure that she knew the language and the culture and all that and then you know like i love how it was america the beautiful like all of a sudden it's like no we're i'm done with that and it's it right. it was just yeah and that's such a powerful way to tell that story because it's like it crosses generations and it crosses countries and it crosses time periods and it was just like such an interesting way to way to kind of for me as a reader to like get introduced to that that whole environment i'm so glad that you picked up on on the um you know the sort of the way the narrative changes where it swaps at the second part um because that was very deliberate, but it took me a long time to get it into that that particular shape. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first started writing the novel, it was actually just present uh, the present narrative with flashbacks, you know, jumping in and out all over the place, you know. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I did have to rewrite it and and to to put it into something that would be a little bit. Uh, easier for readers to follow because early readers found it very jarring. Um, Mm. And yeah, I think, I think what really happened is that I found the present narrative harder to write than the past. And so when I would get stuck, I would just jump into a flashback, but it was almost the early drafts were, there was, there were more flashbacks than there was in the present, the present meaning the 2011 narrative. Mm. So I really had to do some soul searching and try to figure out how to, how to shape it. And I, I read some different novels and, you know, there's, there's lots of different models out there. You know, sometimes people will just have flashbacks. Sometimes they do the alternating chapters. Sometimes there's one whole part devoted to, um, the present and one whole mm-hmm. part devoted to the past. But I really felt like that wouldn't work for this story because you really, I really wanted for readers to be going through the process at the same time as Etta. So kind of having those memories mm. as she herself is facing them and trying to decide what to do. So that was, um, it was challenging, but I enjoyed doing it. And yeah. I especially, especially liked that switch at the part one, part two switch where she goes from, you know, goes from the past being in Burma to the past being in Boston and the present goes, you know, the present being in, in Boston changes to the present being in Myanmar. So 
Yeah, I I thought that was so smart, and it it's I I think that that the work you put in there was was so worth it to just really make sure it it flowed and it made sense and it came out to where, like as the reader, I didn't you know because you also want to like be you want to cater to the reader a little bit and make sure that they're not working too hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so yeah, as the reader, I'm it was it was really easy for me to um follow along, but I can kind of. Like, cause I can't believe that this was your first book, like, you know, and I could tell, like, you put a lot of work into this one, like, because it was just so, it was just so fantastic. And I almost like, didn't want to put you. it down. Yeah. Oh, no, thank ser- you. That's like, so nice to hear. <laughs> well, seriously, like, I, I'm impressed. Like, I can't, like, it's, you know, cause it's interesting to see, like, how authors grow over time, like, something that they published 10 years ago versus something that they recently published. Like, you could kind of tell and they're, and they come, you know, very honest about that but it's i just think it's so fascinating like that um this your first book and it just you you know that yeah i obviously it was a challenge for you but it definitely paid off with everything that you had to do with it so kind of like going into that a little bit like can you go into like your background and um you know kind of what made you decide to develop this story and 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 put this out into Mm -hmm. the world and you know maybe like biggest lessons learned and stuff like that Sure. Um, I mean, my background, I don't know how far you want me to go. <laughs> oh, well, what? <laughs> um, whatever you feel I comfortable mean, with. Yeah. So, you know, I grew up in the U.S. I grew up in Newton, Massachusetts, which is a suburb of Boston. And, you know, it was a great childhood, but it, it wasn't a very diverse place. Um, mm. So when I got to college, I was really interested in taking all these classes about other cultures, because I just hadn't had that exposure. And mm-hmm. um, I think even before I got to college, I had a lot of questions about, about who I was and in relation to who other people are, you know, just mm-hmm. trying to figure out, I, I didn't really understand my culture. I remember once I must have been probably like second grade or something. And um, some, another kid just said, we were talking about religion, but, and even that I didn't grow up with a kind of organized religion. Mm. It was just a little all over the place. And this other um, kid said, what are you? (laughs) And I said, I don't know. (laughs) So I feel like I've been trying to answer that question of what am I for a long time. So anyway, I got to college. I started taking all these different, these different classes on culture and I ended up focusing on Africa for a little while. And I did my junior year abroad in Tanzania at the University of Dar es Salaam. So that was really a transformative experience for me. Um, mm-hmm. And after that, I just really wanted to continue travel, you know, having not just traveling, but living in in other places. So I went back and got my master's degree in international affairs, um, fo- focusing on development international development and humanitarian assistance. So then I went back um, to West Africa this time after graduating and started working in international development for an an NGO and non-governmental organization. And soon I was um, transferred down to Angola in Southern Africa. And that's where I met my husband. So he was also working in this same industry. He worked for the um, he still works for the World Food Program, which is a UN agency. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's he is from um, Australia, which is why I'm here right now. Okay, <laughs> my in-laws. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> so then, once we de- we decided to get married, you know, that was um, 
sort of we were really committing to this international lifestyle um, and have been doing it ever since. So it's been 27 years that I've been living overseas. That's crazy. Um, yeah, it's a long time. <laughs> so were you like, I imagine, were there any points where you were like, you felt like you were in over your head? Because I imagine it's it's scary, but also like brave of you to like, just go for it and embark on like, yeah. just exploring. And like you said, like, not just traveling, but like, really immersing yourself wherever you land. Yeah, it got it got a lot scarier after I had kids. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> so because just like, you know, when you have children, you just worry so much about everything. Oh, so there were absolutely. definitely times where I would lie in bed thinking, what am I doing? You know, because not only did they have to change schools, you know, they were often changing continents. So yeah, it was yeah. like a huge change. But as a result, I mean, we we've you know, now they love the fact that they had that lifestyle that they grew up you know, being exposed to so many different cultures. Um, they'd never lived in the U.S. until going to college. Okay. So um, no regrets now, but it, it definitely was hard <laughs> at times. Um, but anyway, getting back to almost getting back to the book. Sorry, this is right. <laughs> no, but, um, this is fine. It's, it's all part of your yeah. experience of how you put it together. Um, so yeah. So every time I, I move to a new place, I always do the same thing. You know, I go to the local bookstore, try to find as many books as I can about the country, um, preferably novels because I love fiction. So, mm. um, I just start reading and, um, also I usually enroll in local language lessons. I, I never get that far, but I do at least <laughs> get some exposure. You try. And, you know, kinda, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. So well, you get, get the ear for it, you know, yeah. um, and also language teachers tend to teach you a lot about uh, the culture. You know, it just oh, comes right. with, it comes with it. So you're in your classes, you're going to be, you know, asking questions about why this or why that even, you know, why do they greet this way? Like many cultures will greet you. How did you sleep or something like that? You know? Oh, <laughs> hello. You know, it's just, or like in, you know, in Myanmar, it's, it's, a. Uh, um, auspiciousness to you is how they greet that's the mingala bas you know oh, okay that, that's like luck so, luck to you kind of like yeah yeah like luck or yeah yeah good good vibes i guess yeah right <laughs> like good fortune um, or like yeah <laughs> good fortune exactly so um in when we moved to myanmar it was uh 2013 and um I did what I always do, just immersing myself and, you know, also watching different cultural shows and talking to people, asking questions. I also had the, a really good fortune of um, getting involved in a local book club right at the very beginning. Oh, and nice. This book club was made up of mostly Myanmar women. There were a couple of us who were foreigners, and we decided that first year to read only books about Myanmar. But so this was just a, a such a phenomenal ex experience for me because, you know, we would read these books, which were already amazing and fascinating. And then invariably the conversation would turn to the lives of the book club members and how they, you know, had experienced the same events or how their grandparents had experienced mm. those events, depending on when the books were set. And that was just really special. So I think I, I just had all these ideas kind of swirling in my head. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I, uh, I had actually written another book, which another novel, which was not, it's not published, um, sitting in a drawer <laughs> in a desk. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was trying, I was looking for something to write. So 
then I enrolled in a an online writing course just because I wanted that, you know, the pressure, the deadlines to give me give me something to to push mm. me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um and as I sat down to write, this is what came out. <laughs> you know, it just <laughs> it just sort of flowed out, um, which surprised me. But many of the I had, you know, many of the themes in the book or the you know, like the the Queen Supailat and King Thibault. I mean, mm-hmm. that was, you know, I had read about them in other books. So that was kind of, you know, a lot of it was inspired by some of the books that I had read. Yeah. And some of the experiences like going to a local marionette show, you know, experiences that I'd actually had. And I think it just, the way my brain works, I kind of, things start to like, they just turn into fiction in my head. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, like it's kind of like, what if, you know, what if this happened? What if that happened? Um, But there were a couple of things that were particularly interesting to me. So, you know, I'm considered an expat, so an American expatriate living abroad. But in Myanmar at that time, because it had just opened up after this long period of military dictatorship, there was this whole group of people that were called repats. So they were former Burmese nationals who had been exiled because of the military dictatorship. Mm. And they had been living in the UK, um, the US, the Middle East, all over the world. And they were coming back at that same time. And so I just was fascinated by that because being somebody who you know, does move around and is away from my own country. I, I know how that feels to be away mm-hmm. from my country, but, you know, only for a year. <laughs> like I usually go right. back once a year and I see my And it family. was like your choice, right? So it's, it's like... My, and absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, it was my choice. Uh, it was my privilege, you know, to, to have mm-hmm. lived this lifestyle. Whereas these people were coming back and some of them had been away for 30 years or more. Yeah. So I just couldn't, I just was fascinated by that, that idea of what, what that must feel like to come back home, you know, when you're, but your home has changed after so long. So I think that that also influenced the book because I was just very interested in that idea of um, returning to, to a country that used to be your home and how that must feel. Yeah. And then it was kind of like, you you feed that into like Apwa's experience, like right, because she kind of like forces the family to take a year off right. to go see there. And yeah, I am I I can kind of like because I felt for her, you know, I felt for Apwa, even though she was like, you know, oh, yeah, you know, kind of like a hard ass, kind of like right. the matri- you know, she was yeah. the matriarch. <laughs> she was like, you know, and and the effect that it had on Etta versus Parker. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I imagine that that was probably similar to like to Apwa's experience is what you were kind of like observing and getting yes. to know other people. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and that difference between um, Etta and Parker is something that is also always interested me is just how, you know, siblings in the same family can have different experiences mm-hmm. based on their age, you know, based mm-hmm. on how, how old they were when certain family events took place. Exactly. Yeah. Um, no, that's so cool. And I like, and I do, I I did like all the characters. I do like the, cause Parker was like, I think, you know, this is Etta's story, but I think Parker was so like important to her 
character growth. Mm-hmm. And yes. I loved how eventually she was like surprised. She was like, maybe, maybe I'm wrong about her now. Like maybe she's grown more than I, than I thought. And she really like it, you know, Parker surprised and, and impressed her, like just mm-hmm. seeing her kind of flourish in, in her own little, in her own little way. Yeah. Cause it's so interesting. And I think there's like, almost like all cultures have that instance right like or second or first or second or third generation families where if there's like a six seven year difference between siblings like yeah absolutely you know unfortunately etta was the older one and she (laughs) had to you know she was the she was the pupil she was a student of, of essentially while and then you know to kind of have that sister relationship flesh out you know some 20 years later only to have her realize like how Parker really felt about all that where there was like all that misunderstanding and then, Hey, that they reconnected and they were able to better understand each other. Yeah. I think Etta was, is very much stuck in the beginning, very much stuck in her own, her own understanding, her own like viewpoint of, of the world, which is, you know, still stuck in the memories of the past. Like she can't really see the present you know she can't see even herself really very well because she's still so focused on that yeah absolutely and i just you know i'm a sucker for good character development and um even though like this is etta's story i love that like we kind of see the effect that all the characters have on each other um (laughs) and yeah you know it was really great to kind of just see that dynamic and this big backdrop of this like generational trauma like how that affected mm-hmm. all of it. Cause like I said, like it's, this is such an important story to tell. And, you know, I'm not really um, familiar with like the uh, Burmese slash, you know, Myanmar um, culture or history. I, I just remember like, cause I follow humans of New York um, on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I remember he did a, a series, a short series speaking with the Myanmar, like the refugees and oh really yeah like it wasn't a whole lot of stories but one i i read was they were talking about the people the villagers experience like i want to say it was only a a couple years after all that went down where the soldiers invaded and and millions were forced to flee like Mm. where they were just like burning down homes and all that and i just remember one story Royinga, if I'm pronouncing that. Oh, the, I was going to say, yeah, it sounds like the. Yes, yeah, 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 that, yeah, that instance. Um, and I just remember reading one woman's story, and she was recounting her experience. There was commotion outside, and she saw like her fellow villagers, like what was happening, and she like her had her husband and her kids. And she had a four month old that they she mm. had to they didn't have time to go back inside for the for her baby. Yeah. And so oh, she gosh. had to leave. Yeah, she had to leave her baby. And I was just like, because I have two little boys and I'm like, so that, oh, you know, gosh. I that just like that just affects your like sympathy and your empathy so much. Like, yeah. And when I read about that, I like found the link to donate. Like I donated right away because yeah. I was just like so heartbroken for those people. And yeah. yeah, it really is. I can't imagine. And it's like, that's just like one person's one family story out of like how many people right. in that group and that event like and so maybe that's a little bit yeah. why like i was like especially like interested and excited a little bit to get to know more about this culture because it there was so there's so many layers to it and yeah the readers get it through etta's 
because she's reflecting, but she's reflecting on her 13 memories from being 13 years old, where she's not quite an adult. She's not quite putting two and two together. Whereas Mm -hmm. like, and she's even saying like the adults, is this what they're talking about? Do they know what's going on? Like, did they know what was going to happen? Like, yeah, you know, and she's coming to terms with that. And then now she's like in her like early mid thirties and she's still trying to figure it out. And right. Right. You know, and it was just so like powerful. I think that it just like her experience and how I imagine her trying to like come to terms, like, well, what did I miss? Like, this is what I remember, but what did that, mean all i know is that she, she thought it was yeah. her fault she thought it was her fault that right. all of a sudden her grandma was like no we're leaving right exactly yeah yeah no i'm glad you raised that about the seeing the humans of new york um issue you know because i that's the thing is that you know, myanmar has been so little understood you know there's just not that much information about it but also it's so easy to become desensitized when you hear stories like that because there there are so many of them and you don't have any connection to them you know yeah so that i think that's the power of fiction is to you can you can actually start to to really empathize with people you have nothing in common with you know, if, if you, you get to know them, you become them as you're reading the novel, right? Yeah, and absolutely. I, for me, it's that's the way I, I love to learn about other cultures because oh, yeah. you, you're really inside it for a while. You know, I think it has so much power. Yeah, absolutely. Well, how long did it take you to write this book? Like, how, how long were you living? <laughs> well, how, how long was Etta living in your brain? <laughs> <laughs> a long time. <laughs> so... I wrote, so as I, I mentioned before, I started the novel um, with this online writing class, which was, um, you know, it's actually one of these classes that said like 12 weeks to a first draft of your novel. Oh, God. <laughs> it's like so quick. <laughs> <laughs> which I did not, obviously, I did not um, finish it in 12 weeks, <laughs> but I did get a good start. Um, and so that was great. But I think it took me a couple of years to get a first draft um, down but I still wasn't happy with it after that. Um, so that's when, so I hadn't, you know, I hadn't done any writing instruction or anything. Um, I just started, I came into writing pretty late. I only started in my late thirties and I just, I hadn't ever, like, I never wanted to be a writer. I never took any writing classes in college or anything like that. And so um, after I finished this first draft, I, I just, felt like it needed something, but I didn't know what. And I decided it was time to take myself seriously and actually (laughs) go back to school. And so I, that's what I did after finishing a novel. I submitted part of it as part of my application. um, And I ended up going to Lesley University, which is in Boston, in Cambridge, Massachusetts, actually. And they Mm -hmm. have this low residency MFA program. So it was perfect for me because I was still living in Myanmar at the time. So I couldn't, um, you know, I couldn't live full time in, in Boston or something to sure. go to this program. Is that what low residency was, means where it's like, you don't have to. Yeah. It's okay, tw- cool. So twice a, twice a year you go for, um, I think it's like nine or 10 days for an intensive kind of workshop. They call it, a residency is what they call it. So it's okay. like you're, you workshop, 
um, some of your own writing and, you know, workshop other people's writings. And then you also go to different seminars and readings. And it's wonderful because it's really intensive for those, mm. those nine or 10 days. Um, and that's just twice a year. So I already would go usually in the summer to the US. So like that was already taken care of. I just meant I had to add an extra trip in January Mm -hmm. for those two years of the program. So what ended up happening is when I started the program, I kind of started all over with the novel. Like I, I brought it in and ended up revising it completely during those two years. So Mm. (laughs) that was a couple of years (laughs) added on top of the two that it took me to write. And then I finished, so I finished it, I, I graduated in 2019 and I had like an, a revised version, but I still like, then we moved. It was a lot of, we actually moved from Myanmar to Italy and it was very disruptive. So I didn't get a lot done. Oh, okay. That period, you know? <laughs> well, that's okay. I mean, you know, yeah. you have to enjoy yourself and, too. <laughs> right. Right. And then, you know, make sure my family's okay. That's the main right. thing. Um, but so then I actually didn't start querying or doing anything like that. I just applied to some contests. And oh. so this, the novel <laughs> ended up winning the AWP um, award for the novel, which is AWP is the Association of Writers and Writing Programs. Mm. And so I had been, as a MFA student, I was automatically enrolled in the association. And I okay. think I was able to like extend that for a year or something. So I was like, oh, okay, I'll just do this, you know, submit it. <laughs> and much to my surprise, it won. And the prize was a publishing contract. Oh, wow. So that's, that's- how it came to be, um, to be published. That's yeah. awesome. So that's wonderful. That was un- just, yeah, that was the universe telling you that you're onto something. Like, yes, <laughs> that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. I, I would say it's it, well deserved. You know, thank you. But it did mean that I didn't know what. Like, I was very unprepared for. Oh, for being like you weren't in. You know? Like <laughs> you didn't go like the traditional route. Like, yeah, I mean, I didn't. Yeah. I, I didn't have an, I don't have an agent. Yeah. Um, so I didn't, I didn't have anybody to kind of ask, like, you know, what happens now or what, you know, what's normal is, this, yeah. is this, you know, I just, I didn't know anything. And there's so much, it's such a steep learning curve, the publishing oh, yeah. process. There's so many things that are just, it's kind of, it's still a bit of a mystery to me, to be honest. Yeah. Works, no, for you know? sure. There's, <laughs> yeah, that's like the whole, the big picture of it, right? Like there's a lot of, moving parts that you don't really think yes. about. Yeah. Yeah. And the writer doesn't even know about. So you might not, <laughs> t- from the writer's perspective, you don't, you know, you just like months might go by, you don't hear anything and stuff is happening, but you just yeah, yeah. you're not you're involved like, in that. Like, yeah. You're like, is this still happening? Like what's, yeah. I haven't heard anything. And I did, but it's like totally normal. <laughs> it is normal. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily, so seeing like, other people ask that same question was like, made me feel more comfortable. So. Oh, I bet. Yeah. You're yeah. like, am I alone in this? Am I just supposed to know? Like, what? yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's all. No, I'm, I'm, well, I'm glad that, you know, it, yeah, you had a unique experience, but, um, you know, that's awesome that your, your story found its way to mass distribution. Cause it, you know, I think it's yeah. so important, you know, um, but what, oh, the, the cover, 
by the way, like, so then you, did you have any like say in that or was that like I one did, of the updates yeah. that, yeah. 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 The cover. So that was, that was one of the first things that happened actually. So, and I, again, I had no idea how a cover gets selected for a book. Yeah, right. <laughs> but they sent me a questionnaire um, and I had to answer, I had, I think there were three questions. So one was, you know, what are the, what are some key scenes that you could imagine not being depicted on the cover, but inspiring the cover or something. So, um, and then also they asked me, what are some of your favorite covers? (laughs) 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 So I was like, Hmm, I haven't thought about that. And I had to go and look on my bookshelf and I actually went to the bookstore and, and looked around um, and, you know, that was actually an interesting experience because I really had never thought about covers before, but I realized that I like covers to be more, a little bit more abstract. Mm. So I, I'm not myself attracted to covers that have like a face on it, you know, or sure. have, have a human, a person, a character like depicted right there on the cover. Right. I want it to be a little more abstract. Um, so then they, then they sent me, I think, 10 different ideas for covers. And I should say, so my publisher is New Issues Poetry and Prose, and they are, they operate out of Western Michigan University. And I, they use the design school there for the covers. So, yeah. So, so that's why I don't actually know like the person who designed it because (laughs) for the name, but it's the design school that put it together. And so I don't know when I got the first 10, um, you know, images to look at, they, they may have been done by 10 different students. I'm not right. really sure. Um, yeah. And then they asked me, okay, let us know what you think, what you like and dislike about each one. So do you like the font? Do you like the color contrast? Yeah. Like the actual image? All these things I really hadn't thought about. Right. <laughs> but you gotta get me I a little guess, meta about it, like super detailed. Yeah. But I guess that, I mean, now I realize that certain fonts kind of imply certain genres yeah yeah you know there, that's there what, were i think that's one thing i've noticed too where it depends yeah, yeah and I, I didn't i just hadn't thought about that before but now i'm much more aware of it yeah um, right like now you're you're kind of find yourself <laughs> in bookstores like noticing covers and you're like oh they use this font like i wonder yeah. you know <laughs> yeah yeah so, and that's the yeah that's a fun part of it too it was fun that part was fun and the hands um which ended up on the cover that was just one of it was one of those first ones and i i think i did write back saying i like the hands but i didn't like the rest of it of <laughs> the early the early that early version right. and then we sort of went in a different direction for a while and started developing a couple of different covers which were more kind of they had like a um sort of a broken sun in the middle of the cover mm. Um, with the rays coming out. And I, I did like that one a lot, but I couldn't get the hands out of my, out of my head. Mm. So after a while, I said, could I see those hands again, but maybe with a different <laughs> background? And, you know, right. So that's how we, how we landed on that. Yeah. Cause I'm like, I did get like a hard copy of it. And I, I remember I got, I received it like at least probably four or five weeks before I picked it. Like I was ready to read it. And, it's one of those where I look at it and I was like, oh, that's like, 
that looks really meaningful. Like, <laughs> but mm, I still, yeah, like, you know, I still didn't really know what it was going to be about. And then it's, it's like, oh, like, it, like once you progress through the story, it, it becomes more meaningful, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Right. I could see, yeah, I could see the choice, like why you made the choices that you did. Yeah. Yeah. It's really evocative. I think the cover. I, yeah, I it does. It's like, what, what's going on? Like, mm. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, it makes just, you wonder. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So a few more questions here. Sure. Um, yeah, before we wrap up, I know I just, I feel like I could listen to you talk like forever. <laughs> like, oh, I could is, talk to you forever like, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're like, like you just, I think it's so fascinating how you were like, no, I'm just going to go explore the world. Cause I, want to like you want to know more about the world but you also wanted to like figure out more about yourself and mm-hmm. um i just yeah i just think that's so cool like i i think that's like that would be also be my dream was just like be able to just like travel the world and like make a purpose out of it so i i'm like i that's so cool that you were able to to mm-hmm. make that happen and yeah i'm very um, lucky and then, <laughs> yeah well then also you like you you produced like art out of it too like that is that's wonderful so kind of want to explore this a little bit with etta because this is kind of like a not, I guess I could kind of see it as like a non-traditional coming of age where mm-hmm. she's like going through these significant, like she's, she's kind of just forced to confront her past and she's got like yes. PTSD that she hasn't really yes. come to terms with. And, you know, but she's like in her thirties. Right. And so mm-hmm. it's like not traditional coming of age. Like usually it's like YA. So I'm I'm wondering I'm I'm guessing that was like very deliberate also because like her age was definitely going to be important because mm-hmm. of her age that she she would be when she experienced these the events in eighty eight yes. and then you know so like how how did that kind of like come about like did you give a lot of thought and like did you always know she was gonna there were gonna be like the readers were gonna meet those two significant like points in her life or were you kind of like playing around with it. Did you always yeah. know where you were going to go with it? I never considered YA. I, I'm not sure why. I guess I don't. I don't read a lot of YA, so I it didn't. Yeah, it didn't I think it. Yeah, I think it I, takes like a different. I think the seriousness of this book is like, yeah, like yeah. just to how you wanted to tell it. But there's definitely. I mean, there's some great YA novels that are quite serious out there, but mm. I just didn't feel equipped to do that. Um, but I also think, you know, that. Yeah, like you, you hit it on the nail. It is like a coming of age, but later in life. But I, I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm still coming of age. Oh, in my 50s, yeah, you know? I am. Yeah, I'm coming so, up on 36. And I'm still yeah. like, ju- I feel like I'm just now becoming appreciative of the person that I'm, right. I'm growing into. Be I like- mean, you never stop <laughs> developing and you never yeah. stop learning about yourself. I mean, my mother is 84 and she's always saying to me, you know, oh, I'm really learning so much about myself and this oh. new setting and this new, you know, so I think, uh, I guess maybe partly I, I just do believe that we can continue, we do continue to discover ourselves as we age. So that's part of it. But, but also it was a, a mathematics equation, right? Because <laughs> yeah. I needed, I mean, Etta needed to be old enough in 1988 to have a certain kind of experience, you know, yeah. with some like emerging romantic feelings. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that can't, it's not going to happen when you're five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was, you know, she, I had, she needed to be old enough for that to happen. And then Myanmar didn't start opening up until 2010, 2011. 
Okay. So it would not have worked for her to go back any younger. You know, if if she'd gone back to Myanmar before 2010, then it was still like very, very strict censorship rules. Um, oh, sure. And like you couldn't you couldn't even have like a guest at your house without registering. You know, you had to register where you were all the time, like in your neighborhood. There was like a neighborhood um, council where you couldn't you had to indicate if there was somebody coming. And I don't think you were allowed to have foreigners stay with you. Um, wow. The only reason I know that is because my kids were teenagers at the time when we lived there. And of course, okay. teenagers want to have sleepovers all the time. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. So it, we pretty quickly learned that it wasn't a thing for the Myanmar kids to sleep oh, over foreigners' wow. houses. Um, and that did start to change while we were there. But, you know, th- so there was just a lot of things like that that had to do with um, where the country was. And so the earliest I could really have her go back was was 2011 um yeah which made her 36 so yeah that's, um that's, that's crazy i like imagine like how your children just kind of like a little bit of a wake-up call you know like yeah because it's how old are they now they are well almost 20 uh, one of them will be 20 in january at the end of january and the other one is 23 that's so cool that yep. now they <laughs> they're kind of like understanding and appreciating the experience that they had because of your lifestyle and what you were you and your husband were doing i imagine it was it was hard at one point you know i imagine that for them oh yeah it was like you know it's been hard at at many points you know every time we moved it was hard it's hard to move it's hard to move school you know even within the same town like oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) right when you move i mean it's very difficult and i think it's funny because as we started this conversation, um, you know, we were talking about my my issue of what am I, who am I, yeah. and I've I made that question even harder for them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they say to me they hate when people ask where they're from. Yeah, they don't know how to answer that question. You know, I'm American. My husband's actually Italian Australian. They have not lived in either country, either Australia oh, wow. or the U- U.S. until college. Now they went to college in the U.S. And so they don't, you know, if they say I'm from Myanmar because that's where they went to high school, people look at them like, yeah. <laughs> you don't look like you're or from Malawi, right. you know, where they went yeah. to. So, yeah, it's, it's. Um, so then it's how many languages, how many languages have they learned or like, I, I, I don't know if they speak any fluently, like, but I imagine that they yeah. had to. They've been exposed to a lot of different languages for sure. I mean, when we lived yeah. in Malawi, they used they knew how to sing the um, national anthem in Chichewa, which is the local language there. But they couldn't. I mean, they can't speak Chichewa <laughs> otherwise. It's just, um, and they speak a bit of Italian. And um, oh, is it because yeah, your husband speaks Italian, or well, they, we lived in Italy as well. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. yeah. I see. Like, so my. Um... My mom is is Mexican, but she's like third generation. Mm. I think I don't know my my grandmother, my my mom's mom, their side of the family. They were living in Texas since before it was Texas. Like since it oh was, wow, yeah, since it was like Mexico before that whole purchased land transfer happened. So oh, it was like gosh. nobody's gonna tell us to leave. You know, it's like and, and it is such an interesting dynamic too, because it's like, well, they had to learn that that generation, like that side of my family, like adapted without really re- relocating. And there's a whole like group of people that 
that applies that to is fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I did like and to it's have so, like so you don't move, but the but your culture somehow your government yeah, like, changes, right? Like yeah, like the border the border crossed them, and it was like yeah, you know, oh. generations later that it's like it's just Texas. It's like <laughs> you know, and um, and then my mom's father's side is like uh on the California border, like Diwana, like that side. Um, so I'm grateful for like that experience, but I like I look so white because my dad's Irish, like <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. But it's just like I'm grateful for like that mix, even though like I I didn't I'm not fluent in Spanish, but I grew like I know a lot. I can survive if I was you know it depends on the region, but I can survive like communicating with my family. Like they don't know much English, so I'm like, okay, we'll 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 be fine. <laughs> like we'll communicate. Yeah, yeah. And um, and then my husband, his father, his father's side is Italian, and so we did spend two weeks oh, in okay. Italy, um, and just did the whole the whole country, like, and and so whenever, and I've been to Germany too. Like whenever I do use my passport, I do try to like learn the the language, but it's just it can be really tricky. Like I remember trying to learn. When we went to Ireland, I was trying to learn uh, Gaelic, and wow. like you know, it was it was so it was so difficult <laughs> because yeah. it doesn't like reading and writing. It doesn't look like it sounds like how it pronounces, mm-hmm. and even like the conventions, like how like subject, action, object, it like doesn't follow that traditional like english or even like the latin languages you know i feel like you know with spanish like i when i was learning italian i was like okay i could get the hang of this you know this is very similar to what i was i had grown up picking up on but But even the order of the words yeah i don't know with gaelic it's like it's like you know if you say i have a dog it's like or if you say i have a book it's like the book is at me like that's how the sentence right. comes out <laughs> and so i yeah. was like i don't even know like because when i would hear it like pronounced so i just i i learned you know you just remember slancha which is cheers <laughs> it's ireland they're just a bunch of fun people anyway but and i remember right. going like to germany and um learning i tried learning german and it was very similar to um english or it was like a little yeah. easy to like pick up on that but i yeah so that's why like i'm just interested in like how many things your kids picked up on just from kind of traveling yeah. around and being they were immersed and exposed in... to a, a, quite a lot, but you know, not necessarily fluent in right. those languages like like me, really. But um, but I think just learning a little bit, you like what you were just talking about the sentence structure or yeah, or the you know the way you form a thought, it it, it does affect things you know like it, it does, affects yeah. kind of your viewpoint and, yeah. and that's why it's i think it is really important to try to learn a little bit of a language when you go somewhere you know even it's, if it's a yeah because it it just yeah you just see things like differently i don't know like it is Italian, it's like a little like you, an extra layer it helps you understand like yeah, a little exactly. bit more yeah exactly I was just going to say, like, in Italian, very simple, you know, instead of saying, I like something, you say something is pleasing to me. Yeah, and that's how it is Which makes you think, right? Like, why do we like something? We like it because it is pleasing to us, you know, but... yeah. I'm I'm a I'm a geek about it. I love all of that. Like just yeah, me too. Di- me too. <laughs> yeah, like just exploring different cultures and stuff. I just think it's so interesting, and I like I feel like how at the end of the day, we're like we're all so much more alike. Like we could all be like this the same person, but we're just like we were born and raised or dropped in different, in different parts of the, yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. Yeah, we all feel we all feel the same emotions, you know, and we all do the same like basic bodily <laughs> things. Yeah, that we have to do you know? Right. Like we all eat, even if the food we eat is different. Yeah. You know? Um. So I just have a couple more questions before we wrap up here. Okay, this is kind of like a four part question, I guess. And I know we haven't been uh-huh. talking about the the characters so much, but what okay. advice would you give to Etta, to Parker, to Shway, and to Jason? Oh wow. Okay. Um, interesting question. Etta, I think the advice I would give to her is to, to really follow her heart, you know, let stop thinking, (laughs) (laughs) just (laughs) follow your heart. And also to kind of open your eyes to the people in your life who love you. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I would say to her. And Parker. Hmm. I feel like Parker's doing a pretty good job, you know, getting her act. Right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what I would say to Parker. I mean, I would, I guess I'd tell everybody they should follow their hearts. So that applies um, to everyone. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I want to say the same thing just, just to like be who you want to be, you know, do what you mm. want to do and it will fall in place. Like, it yeah. Will, um, yeah, yeah. Okay. I agree with that where she's kind of like, She's on the right track. She is, yeah. Um, and then, sh- did you say Shui? Yeah. Is that how I <laughs> so pronounce sh- it, right? <laughs> yeah, Shui. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's such a kind of damaged character on one hand, but also, also I feel like he's really authentic already. You know, yeah. like he is living his authentic life. Yeah. But I guess with him, I just worry that he's going to self-destruct, you know, mm. either like drinking too much or just really doing something um very that will get him get him into trouble with the mm. government so <laughs> i would i would say to keep doing what what he's doing but but do be careful and do take care of himself and then jason i feel like jason learns a lot over the course yeah. of the book but i would say to him that if he you know if he loves eva then he should show her that he loves her. Mm. Um, but at the same time, you know, not to put up with too much bullshit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Like, there's only so much you can take. And he so, has, he's put up yeah. with a fair yeah. amount and so, God like, bless him. He's, yeah. <laughs> like, like it's okay. Like, you know, to, to make those bold actions, those bold decisions. Like mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I wasn't sure, you know, yeah. Cause I was going back and forth like, Oh, what is she going to do? What is she going to choose? Yeah. For sure. It's funny yeah. because I also, like I was about halfway through and I thought, Oh no, <laughs> what have I, what have I done? This is not supposed <laughs> to be like, not supposed to be a book about choosing between two men, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I really did not want it to be about that. So I, but of course they are a part of her life, both of them. Yeah. So I, yeah, for so long through the book, I didn't know what I wanted her to choose. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. like, I was like, I don't know, girl. <laughs> That's like, probably because I didn't know either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that just adds like more, uh, yeah. you know, a little, little more she tugging. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. She didn't know. She didn't That's- tell me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I love that. I love that. I could tell you had fun and that you were so authentic and that you really, um. You took control of the story, but you are also very like receptive of 
what yeah. the story was going to kind of tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Jason in particular was, I mean, he was really a surprise to me because I, I like when I first set out writing, writing the, um, the book, he was just supposed to be like a springboard for Etta oh. to, to go, you know, and then he, he kept kind of like insisting <laughs> that, <laughs> that he wanted to be more involved. And so yeah. that was a surprise to me, even in the writing. That's awesome. I love yeah. that. Now I'm just I'm just going back to that question you asked me about what advice for the characters. I think for Etta, I think that maybe let people help you. Mm. <laughs> that would be the advice. Yeah. Because I think we lot, could all, all we could all relate to that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. They're all trying to help her in different yeah. ways. You know, yeah. and she doesn't she doesn't allow them to right away. Well, she's just like she's just kind of serious and mm-hmm. her being a lawyer it makes sense. She's like no nonsense a little bit. And then Yeah. She kind of has Not to let in touch with her emotions. As... Yeah. And she yeah, she definitely had to go through it to come out of that and and learn that, learn how to do that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I loved all the characters. I loved oh, you I'm know so glad. <laughs> Yeah, and and just yeah, everything. I could gush about this book all day. This I it was awesome and wonderful. And yeah. yeah, I I just you know I like learning about things that I'm not familiar with. And many many bonus points if it's entertaining as well. Okay, what's next? Do you have anything else that you're working on that you could talk about, or you know you're like kind of yeah take, taking well, a little break? What what's going on? Um, I mean, I am right now a little bit. Um, involved in all this book promotion, which is also really (laughs) kind of new and overwhelming. Um, (laughs) But I have, so I mentioned before that I had written another novel, um, which was before I wrote The Golden Land. So it's it's set in um, 2005 in Malawi. Mm. And I would like to, I mean, I have, I've started to revise that. So I'd like to see if I could maybe get that published so i'm looking at that and again it's so that's probably what i'll i'll do next yeah but i do you got you got to learn like, like maybe the traditional way of doing things this time i might have to do yeah i might have to yeah. follow this. <laughs> <laughs> and then i have a couple more ideas I'm, I'm actually quite um eager to get back to that that new story you know being in the zone of like writing something new so as much as i do want to revise the malawi book i'm um I don't want to spend too long on it because I really want to get back into writing something new. So we'll see. We'll see what happens, but I'm not going to stop writing for sure. Yeah, no, definitely, you know, work that muscle and Mm -hmm. take the momentum that you have with this, you know, debut and just keep going forward. Cause I think, I definitely think you're onto something. And like I said, just keep, keep doing you and also keep learning and, and, do what you got to do to, you know, just keep that momentum going. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, I have actually enjoyed some of the, um, you know, I've been writing like a few different essays here and there for, for the book promotion, which again, I didn't know that that was like what, how it all works, but I guess that is part of the industry. So, um, but I've enjoyed it. I've liked that as well. So I might try to do um, a bit more of that. And I'm going to, I'm going to be starting a newsletter and on Substack, which is called author abroad. So it'll be about um, writing and reading, you know, what I'm reading abroad and also just my life abroad. So, so I'm kind of excited about that a little nervous, but um, I have like, I'm going to send my first newsletter out um, 
in a couple of weeks. So in the beginning. Nice. Of the I mean, I'm sure you've got plenty of stuff to write about, plenty of content mm-hmm. in your brain. Yeah. That, you know, <laughs> there's no, there's no yeah. shortage for with your lifestyle, with your experiences. I, I would imagine there's no shortage of uh, what, what you can, what you can put out yeah. there. I wish I had started a long time ago. I feel like, you know, <laughs> as hey. I said, I'm in my fifties and, and I'm like, why am I starting a newsletter now after living you know what? for 27 years? But <laughs> never too I, you late, know what? Right? Just, just you do you. Like, honestly, I feel like there's no, I, I could kind of see where you're, what you're saying, but I don't, you know, I think if you started 10 years ago, I don't know if, if you would have been where you are at now, where you that's feel like, true. that's true. you know, exactly. why yeah, you have much more different, much more different things to offer now than you did maybe mm-hmm. when you would have wished that you started. So take one day at a time. My thing is like, just trust the universe and it's just, that's yes. how things played out, you know? Yeah. I yeah. Agree. I agree. 100%. Elizabeth Schick. We got the golden land. It's available now. Go pick it up. I've read, I don't even know how many books I've read this year, at least 40. And this is definitely like one of the top 10. So um, definitely recommend it to anyone and everyone who's either, you know, who are, are all about the cultures, like learning different cultures or who are just looking for something mm-hmm. different. I feel like um, it's, it's easy to get sucked in and I loved it. <laughs> um, so so yeah, absolutely. So real quick, do you um, have like a website, social media that you want to plug real quick? Yeah, I do have a website. So it's just elizabethschick.com. And that's, um, you know, Schick is spelled S-H-I-C-K. My whole life, everyone wants to say S-C-H-I-C-K because it's a razor blade, but <laughs> I am not related to the razor blade. So it's um, elizabethschick.com. And then I have, I am on Twitter at Liz Schick author dot, or yeah, just at Liz Schick author. I was on Instagram at Elizabeth Schick author and they decided that I was um, a bot and they canceled oh. my account. Oh no. <laughs> so I've just literally yesterday set up a new one, which is again, just like the Twitter Liz Schick author. And then I have a Facebook author page, which is Elizabeth Schick. Okay. So cool. I'm a little bit everywhere. I'm not, I'm just learning social media. So I'm, <laughs> Yeah, no, it's okay. Unfortunately, it's like the, I don't even like the necessary evil of it, you know, because you gotta, you gotta, you gotta do that outreach. You gotta get your name out there and promote your book. And yeah, so it's it's, it's been fun in a way to discover there's all these communities out there. Oh, yeah. All these communities of writers and readers and, and that's been fun. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you just do whatever you want with it. (laughs) <laughs> okay so elizabeth Schick, the golden land um thank you so much this was such an awesome conversation you know i'll i'll have to i'll have to keep you on my radar thank you megan and there you go that was elizabeth Schick talking about the golden land that book is available now you can find links to purchase it and also um where to follow her on social media and her website in the show notes you know rate review subscribe all that good stuff You can follow the Nerd Cantina or Cantina Book Club on Instagram and Twitter. Um, If you want to keep up with my book reviews and author interviews, definitely follow those and check them out on thenerdcantina.com. But anyway, thanks so much for listening.